Welcome everyone, I'm Kate Himmelman from Sweden and today we're going to have a chat about a project titled The Pro Global Pro Prevalence of Cerebral Palsy. Today we have with us Sarah McIntyre, Shona Goldsmith, Sandra Jusen Hollung, Katarin Arno, Hayley Smithershidi, Gulam Kandekar and Tash Garrity from Australia, Norway, France and Bangladesh. We are presenting on behalf of the wider global CP prevalence group. Sarah, could you please give us some background about why we wanted to undertake this project? Thanks, Kate. Yes, we wanted to undertake this because the last global prevalence update was conducted by Miriam Askui in 2013, which showed that prevalence was pretty stable at 2.1 per 1,000 live births. Um, and there was very minimal data from lower middle income countries at that stage. But since then, we knew that there'd been some recent trends from registers suggesting declines, and there was more emerging data from low and middle income countries. So we thought it was important to establish the current trends and birth and period prevalence of CP um, now. So over to Shona, if you could just tell us a bit about how we went about this study, the methods. So we obviously wanted to include as many geographic regions of the world as possible. So we chose to use a systematic analysis methodology. This allowed us to include high quality population-based data from two different sources. So firstly, we invited population-based cerebral palsy registers and surveillance systems to provide us with aggregated data for children with CP in their region born from 1995. Secondly, we conducted a literature search and identified published studies on the prevalence of cerebral palsy. In the end, we were able to include data from 41 regions of 27 countries. Sandra, can you tell us a bit about the trends in birth prevalence that we found? Yes. First, an important thing to note is that data for the trend analysis were only available from high-income countries, so we can only comment on those regions. So we found a declining trend in the prevalence of pre-perinatal CP and 79% of the high income regions included in this analysis. And when we pool data from the surveillance of cerebral palsy in Europe and the Australian cerebral palsy register networks, we also found a statistically significant declining trend in the prevalence of pre-perinatal CP from 1995 to 2010. In contrast, the overall trend for post-neonatal CP remained unchanged. The patterns within the regions were mixed. Some moved up and down over time, or there was no change at all. Haley, what about the most recent or current prevalence? Has the combined prevalence of CP changed since Miriam's systematic review in 2013? Yes, we're pleased to report an updated combined pre-perinatal CP prevalence estimate for high-income countries of 1.5 cases per 1,000 live births for births since 2010. We can also report a rate of 0.8 per 10,000 live births for post-neonatal CP. This leads to an overall estimate of 1.6 per 1,000 live births in high-income countries versus 2.1 for the earlier birth years that were included in Marum's review. There was not enough data to pull a combined prevalence in low and middle income countries, but we found that prevalence estimates were markedly higher in these regions at around 3 to 3.4 per 1,000 live births. 
Gulam, it's fantastic to see population data emerging from low and middle income countries. Do you think we're going to see similar declining prevalence of CP in years to come? Thanks, Haley. It's one of the striking findings we have seen in this study. Out of 41 regions, only seven were from low and middle income countries, or LMICs, uh, where almost 90% of the world population resides. We call majority world population. So I think we need more data from this region. But what evidence we have so far, it suggests the burden is higher in those settings. Most importantly, if we see that the increasing survival of neonates in low income settings, particularly from global initiatives to prevent newborn deaths in those countries, and also with the NICU, improvement of NICU services, we worry that in coming years, there could be a sharp rise in the rate of or prevalence of cerebral palsy in LMICs. And also we have seen interventions like uh, hypothermia, um, which could be used to prevent uh, prenatal uh, or premature brain damage might not be helpful for low income settings. So we have to look more closely what interventions could be done for those settings. And also we have to collect more information and research to define the prevalence of cerebral palsy in low-income settings. Catherine, uh, would you like to expand from here? Uh, yes. Um, yes, in fact, in, in our study, uh, we saw that 12 regions were able to report on CP prevalence by the number of children living in the region. And this was across low-middle and high-income countries. So we think that these were the real strengths of the study to report both birth prevalence and period prevalence. Period prevalence is generally a little bit higher than birth prevalence. And it is really very useful for documenting public health issues, for service planning and the impact of CP in the community. Sarah? Um, has the current shares of the SCPE and ACPR. Uh, we both think that uh, CP registers are extremely important. Do we need CP registers in every region of the world? Or are there other ways to evaluate prevalence and trends in CP? Yeah, thanks, Catherine. Yes, of course, we think they're extremely important, but being um, realistic, that's just not feasible for every region of every country in the world to have a CP register. And then, so there are some innovative ways that people, methods that people are coming up with that are emerging that can provide complementary data to what we provide with registers. And just in the last month, we've seen um, some recent papers that have linked administrative data in Canada and previously in the US um, that showed similar trends to high-income countries. Um, and we also saw a statistical modelling um, methodology that was used in China, and this was able to show, this is showing increasing trend of CP in China. So each method, no matter whether it's a register or statistical or administrative data, all have pros and cons. It's about knowing what the pros and cons are and then working out what's most useful for each region. So other options are available. Uh, Tash, as a person with CP and as a young researcher in training yourself, what, what do these findings mean for you? 
for me but for me personally it's a it's a it's a major step forward part of me wasn't sure if it had happened in my if a drop would happen this quickly in my lifetime so to actually see it happen right in front of me it's it, it it's amazing uh, we would like to finish by thanking all our collaborators the participating registers and most importantly the people with CP and their families who participate in registers and studies and make this research possible thank you